On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. So when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother, Mary the mother of G James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Thanks, Cindy. Welcome, everybody. Happy Easter. I uh, thought I'd throw this up on the board. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. I was like, it's not blasphemous, okay? I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go, I'll go with it. Uh, for those of you guys who might have a harder time seeing it or you're listening online, it's a meme of a Jesus, Jesus figure coming out of a tomb. On the top it reads YOLO, and on the bottom, just kidding. Um, doesn't get better than that. Uh, happy Easter, everybody. Uh, yes, today is April 1st, but no, it's no fool's joke. Jesus is risen. And today we celebrate the greatest news there ever was. There, there, the greatest news there is. And if you're here visiting, we are thrilled that you're here, whether this is the first time you've ever stepped into a church gathering, or this is the first time you've stepped into a church gathering for a long time, or you are one of our, our more regular attenders. We are excited you're here. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, have you ever experienced something where you were at first skeptical of it, but then after trying it, after going through with it, you ended up becoming just, it just changed your life? Uh, that was the case for me with boba. Uh, I remember <laughs> I used to be very skeptical of boba. Back in the early 2000s, before there was a boba shop on every single street corner, I saw a few of my friends walking around with these translucent cups with these nasty-looking balls, tapioca at the bottom, these huge straws. I'm like, that just looks gross. I remember one of my friends, she came up to me, I'm not making this up, and she, she opened her mouth, showed me the tap tapioca balls. She's like, look, it's not that gross. And I'm like... <laughs> Not doing it for me, but uh, finally I did succumb to peer pressure, and I tried, and of course, boba is amazing, and to say that my life is different now, yeah, my life's different, but not only that, my whole family's life is different. We are all just addicts. Uh, if you tell my kids, a six-year-old and a four-year-old in a confined space, be prepared for your eardrums to split. I mean, they just, boba. Uh, it was one of the first words of my little girl's uh, out of her mouth. She couldn't say boba. She said babo. And we're like, no, 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 it's boba. Babo. Maddie, bo, bo, ba, ba, boba, babo. It's like, okay, close enough. We'll, we'll go with that. I remember when I was skeptical of Chinese food. Yes, I was, I was skeptical of Chinese food, which if you know any bit of my story is ridiculous because I'm married to a Chinese-American and I lived in China for two years. Um, but I was skeptical of Chinese food the first time I tried it. When I moved to the Bay Area when I was just a little guy, uh, I was just a very, very picky eater. My brother-in-law, he, he was saying, hey, let's go out and we get some Chinese food. And my response was like, no, gross. He's like, who are you? Like, who doesn't like Chinese food? And of course, uh, long story short, he ended up paying me $20 
to try Chinese food and paying for the Chinese food that we ate. And I still took his money and loved it. Um, and to say that Chinese food changed my life is just like a, it's a gross understatement. Cindy jokes that if I hadn't gotten over my skepticism of Chinese food, we wouldn't be married today. She jokes. I think she's serious. I'm not joking. I think she's serious. Um, but there's all sorts of things in life where we're at first skeptical about something, but then we experience it or we go through with it, and at the end, it, we just couldn't imagine our lives without that. Uh, some of you, you guys were skeptical about making that career change. You, you just looked at the risk. You didn't think it was worth making the plunge, or, or at least you were skeptical of it. But this side of that decision, now you're just like, oh my goodness, I can't imagine life without that change. Uh, some of you ladies, you were skeptical of going out on that first date with him. Uh, a while back, and he didn't meet that 54-point checklist of things that you have in your mind of what you're looking for in a guy. But you, though you were skeptical, you were hungry that night. You figured, you know what, we'll go, we'll go ahead and do this. And now, five years later, you're married to him, and you can't imagine life without him. I still remember uh, when we, just a group of us in a living room, were sitting around talking about, hey, we feel like God wants us to start a church in the Silicon Valley. And to say that we were unsure about where that was going to head uh, would be a, another understatement. But we felt like God was wanting us to do this, even in such an expensive, expensive area like the Silicon Valley, to start a church, of all things. And even in an area that is known for not being particularly receptive towards the Christian faith, um, we were just like, you know what? We feel, we feel like this is what God wants us to do. And we had no idea. We had no idea that God would work out for us to have all these facility spaces, for instance, the office space that we, we now have, um, that, uh, you know, this space right here, which we just shake our heads the first time we came here, this is amazing, it's been big enough for us to grow into with the kids' space back there, all those sorts of things. The 10 or so churches from across the U.S. and in the Bay Area who said, hey, we believe in what you're doing, we want to we come alongside you in that, we would have no idea. We were super unsure there in that, that, that little group, and yet... We're just getting started, and I already can't imagine my life without Current and the Current family here. And that's to say nothing of the incredible life change we've seen and the, and the, and the humble impact uh, we see God doing. We're just getting started. Um, it's, it seems to me this idea of being skeptical about something when you're first introduced to it and then experiencing it only for it to change your life, to just be something you can't imagine, imagine your life without, was the very thing that was happening on that first Easter day. And I wonder, as we look at the story today, if that might be something happening uh, that could happen for you uh, this Easter. So Cindy read the account that we're looking at, uh, the author of which is, is called Luke. Luke is a physician. He's a, he's a, he was a doctor at the time, which meant, especially for the time, he was highly educated. He's the kind of guy who, who, is, who paid real close attention to all of the detail. He, he tells us all these things. He, t- he tells us on the first day of the week, the women went out to embalm Jesus' body in the tomb. They took their perfumes, they took their fragrances, and they were going to go embalm Jesus in the tomb. Jesus had died. He was crucified on, the fr- on a Friday. They couldn't go out on a Saturday because that was Sabbath. And so now it's the first day of the week. They go out, and Luke tells us they meet two men there. And the two men, apparently wearing Sunday, you know, their Easter's, Easter best, come back to them and say, guys, gals, gals, what, what, what are you looking for here? Like, you, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Don't you remember how he told you? Don't remember how he told you that this is how it's going to happen, that he was going to be 
betrayed and handed over into the, in the hands of sinners, that he was going to die on the cross, and that ultimately he would be raised to life. Don't you remember that? And it says they believed, and they, they, they pondered these things. They, they brought it back to the 11 to tell them, and the others, verse 9 tells us. Now, some of you are like, well, what's, what's this deal with the 11? Like, maybe you haven't gone to church a lot or read your, are all that familiar with your Bible, but you're thinking, it wasn't, isn't that supposed to be 12, guys? I mean, I know it should be 12. It's 11 because that one of the disciples, the followers of Jesus, a guy named Judas, had betrayed Jesus, had set all of these events into motion, and he had felt so bad about it. The Scripture tells us he was so, feeling so guilty about it that he went out and he actually killed himself. So now there's 11 here. These women come back with this news. They tell him, guys, this is what's happened, and the disciples say, we knew it right? We knew. He, he told us this was going to happen. We, we knew it. That's, of course, not what they say. Check out verse 11. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now, I've been reading the Bible for a number of years. I've been reading the, the Easter accounts in the Bible for a number of years. Still, I find at least two things here just utterly fascinating at how Luke tells a story. The first thing that I find fascinating is how, it's, how these guys, these main dudes of Jesus, these 11 guys who had been with Jesus basically every waking moment for the pre- previous three years, these guys who are now being called, verse 10 or so, the apostles, Luke is shifting from calling them disciples now to calling them apostles, 24 chapters into his reading. Apostles literally means the word messenger. These guys who would take the message of Jesus' death and resurrection to the world and down the ages such that 2,000 years later, here we are in the Silicon Valley celebrating it today. These guys on Easter and that morning did not believe. And not only did they not believe, they thought it was nonsense. Think of it this way. If you find it hard to believe the resurrection of Jesus, you'd go so far to say it is nonsense, you're actually in pretty good company. The other thing I, found, I find fascinating about this account and absolutely profound and beautiful is that the first messengers of the greatest news for all humankind, the first people to get it, to be the messengers, to the apostles, to the messengers, the first message bearers who understood it, who got it, and brought the good news for the first time, were women. Now, understand with me for a second the historical context of this. I mean, we are today still in the 21st century fighting towards gender equality. But we also know there's parts around the world today that it's not like even what what we have today, let alone 2,000 years ago in that culture. You following me? In that time, the testimony of women was not considered credible in the courts. They could not give testimony. They couldn't even enter the stand. It was not credible. They couldn't give witness to anything. And yet here Luke is saying this is how it happened. Think of it this way. If you were writing to make up a religion in anywhere near that time of history, you would not have written it this way to help your cause unless it actually happened. I love Luke. Check this out in verse 10. I love Luke. Listen, he doubles down. He's telling the narrative. And then verse 10, he says, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman. He's saying, here are the women. By names. Go ask them. But not only Luke, Matthew, Mark, and John, in their accounts as well, tell us the women were the first message bearers of the greatest news 
in humankind history. What does that tell us, by the way, of the one who orchestrated all of these events? Of the God who was planning this day of all days and that he, he wanted it to, be, to play out this way. What does it tell us about him and his kingdom? The disciples were skeptical. They thought it was nonsense. But then we read verse 12, and it says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Now, those are two wonderful little words, aren't there? Aren't they? Peter, however. What we see in Peter in this moment is he's thinking, I don't know. This can't be true. I mean, the odds of this being true. I mean, there's a slim to none. However, what if this happened? What if this is true? Could it be? And he went and he took a look. Uh, to some of you today, this would be my invitation to you. This would be my encouragement to take a look into the things of Jesus. Uh, it, everything rises and, or falls in the Christian faith on the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus. The historical bodily resurrection of Jesus. In other words, Christianity doesn't fly with, hey, it's a nice mystical thing, a little practical help here and there, pie in the sky, by and by. It rises and falls, rises or falls on the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus. Could it be true? Peter wasn't a believer, but he took a look. This is part of, of my story. Uh, when I was an undergrad at Cal, uh, I had a lot of my friends there start to question me. You just believe because you were raised that way. And after hearing that a number of times, I was like, boy, maybe that is true. Long story short, I started to look into it as much as I could with, an, with as open of, of a mind as possible. And I, came, I became convinced that I am a follower of Jesus and wanted ultimately to be a pastor because of the resurrection of Jesus. I have a buddy who uh, uh, a, a few years back, uh, he used to be what, what I'd call, uh, this is probably a bit of an oxymoron, but an, athe an atheist evangelist, okay? So what he would do is, and this guy is super smart, fierce debater, he would learn all the other religions, all the other religions, and then he would go out and he'd try to like debunk them with all his friends. Let's talk about a good friend, right? This guy would go out there, and when he got to the religion of Christianity, he started licking his chops, because he, he found pretty quickly, he's like, oh my goodness, it says right in the scripture that it rises and falls on the resurrection. All I have to do is prove that that didn't happen, or it's at least beyond reasonable. Like, I, I'm going to prove that. And then he started looking into it, asking questions, looking further into it, looking into the primary sources, looking into it. And he got to the place, his words, where he felt like to have, intell to, to, to have intellectual honesty with himself, he actually had to put his faith in Jesus. And now he's preaching probably right this moment in Santa Clara as a pastor, telling people about the risen Lord. Uh, pastor author Tim Keller put it this way, if you can't believe in the resurrection, you should at least want it to be true. Because it, against all odds, if it is true, it changes everything. So if you're here today, I'd, and, and this is you, I'd encourage you to take a look like Peter. Look into the claims of Jesus, what he claimed. Are they credible? What about this resurrection? Is that possible? Look at the primary sources. Look into it. And we, we'd love to be a part of that journey if we can, but I encourage you to start there. Um, these guys uh, were skeptical. 
They didn't believe. I now want to turn to the passage where all that changed for them. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John 20. If you, you can follow along on your app or it'll be on the screen for you, all of which is, is, is good. John 20, verse 19 through 21. Here's where it all changed. And let's consider, by the way, what did it for them? What changed these apostles, uh, these apostles from being these guys who were scared to being the guys who would ultimately be responsible for our gathering today? John writes in his account, on the evening of that first day of the week, so in the evening, same day, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So here's the scene. These guys are scared out of their minds, okay? They literally have the doors locked because of their their fear of the same authorities who had just killed their leader. They figure, what's to stop them from killing us? So they're in this like hidden room. It's called the upper room. Other accounts tell us. They're just in this hidden room, basically awaiting their fate. They're really scared. They're also, no doubt, incredibly worried and anxious. I mean, think about these guys. Even if even if they're like, if we, if we survive the next few days, like, what's their life going to be after this? They've been following Jesus for all this time. I mean, some of these guys were fishermen. They're going to go back to fishing? Poor Levi, if you know Levi, one of the disciples, he was a tax collector. Tax collectors back in that time was just a shameful, shameful operation. Everybody despised these guys. Jesus had loved Levi into following him, brought him out of the shameful, crooked, corrupt profession. What do you think Levi was thinking in this moment? I can't go back to that. These guys were scared out of their minds. They're worried. And Jesus shows up. And what does he say? Guys, I told you so. No, he could have. He did tell them at least three times. But he doesn't. He comes and he says, peace be with you. In other words, I know what you guys need right now. I know what you need and I give it to you. Peace be with you. In verse 21, he repeats, peace be with you. Now, we're going to come back to those words, and we're going to consider them for, uh, in, in a moment. But first, I want to consider what changed it for these disciples? What changed them from being the guys with the, 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 that were in this upper room, locked doors out of fear of the authorities that were going to kill, that, who killed Jesus? They thought they were, maybe they were going to kill them, who in a couple of months' time, Luke, in another account, talking about the early church, expansion in the book of Acts, check this out in chapter 4, these same authorities have them before them. So they, a couple of the apostles are in front of these same authorities that killed Jesus. They were scared and locked, in the door, locked up out of their fear. Now they're standing in front of them because they've been sharing about this good news that Jesus had been raised to dead and under threat of torture and execution and telling them, don't you guys, don't you guys dare share about Jesus anymore, the, these apostles who were once fearful in that time are then saying, do to us what you will, but we can't help but share what we've seen and heard. What changed in this moment? I think it's probably worth considering what didn't do it for the disciples. The miracles didn't do it for the disciples. The, the disciples got to see a lot of miracles of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? They got to see him Feed the 5,000, and then the 4,000, just out of a few loaves and just out of a couple of fish. They got to see him heal the lame man who had been lame and in the same spot begging for a few decades. 
start to walk and leap and praise God. They got to see that. They got to see Jesus raise a couple of folks from the dead. There's that. They got to see that, but the miracles didn't do it for them. I think some of us will pray this prayer. God, if, you would, God, if you're even there, if you would just do this one thing, if you just provide in this one way, if you would just heal me, if you would just heal this loved one of mine, it's against all odds, it would have to be miraculous. If you just do that, I would believe in you. I would follow you. I've actually uh, known someone who's prayed just those prayers. I met him under very heavy circumstances. Uh, a friend of a friend introduced him to me um, after his son had been accidentally smothered and unable to breathe for far too long. Uh, infant boy, by the way. Um, he asked his friend for a, a name of a pastor in this country. He's just like, I, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do, because he wanted me to help him arrange his funeral. So here I am at the Stanford Hospital talking to somebody whose son is actually still alive. But the Stanford doctors literally said, and I quote, "If it, it, only something miraculous can save him now. I mean, they literally said it that way. I'm sitting there. He's trying to arrange funeral arrangements as a young pastor. I'm just, I don't know what I'm doing. Cindy had the opportunity to go into the room with the little boy and his mother, pray for them. Um, Against all odds, the boy hung on. But even as he was hanging on, the doctor said, we're quick to say, guys, no, 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 no please, you need to understand this is still, it'd have to be a miracle. They repeated it. You need to understand. They're just trying to set this guy's expectations. The guy kept holding on for another hour. For another hour. This father, my friend told me, went to a nearby chapel that had an open prayer time, sprawled himself out on the floor, and prayed the prayer, God, if you heal my son, I will believe in you. I will follow you. I'll go to church, I'll do uh, church, I'll, I'll do whatever. I just, would you heal my son? Miraculously, the boy was healed. The boy lives. But the father actually does not follow Jesus or God. The miracle was not enough for him. The miracles weren't enough for the disciples. Maybe you think, oh, it was Jesus' teachings that would do it for the disciples. The teachings didn't do it for Jesus, uh, the disciples. I mean, every, we just went through the Sermon on the Mount. You know what? A refrain happened over and over again after Jesus would speak to the crowds and he would teach. They'd always, the crowds would always be described as saying, wow, he is so amazing. He teaches with such authority because he would just come down and he would speak with more authority than even the great prophets of old. He wouldn't just say things like, thus says the Lord, which is like crazy to be able to say that. He'd say, you know how in God's word, I actually tell you this is what this means. He'd put himself on the same footing as God himself. We think about his teachings today. They're still amazing and authoritative. Read his teachings. I, I can't help but read his teachings and be like, man, he understands my heart way better than anything or anyone, even in the last 2,000 years, let alone today. I don't have time to go into all of it. But the teachings didn't do it for the disciples. The teachings, they, they heard Jesus debate with folks. See, they would just literally, the same guys who would come and later crucify him would come and try to trap Jesus. Jesus would teach these guys and not just lay a hammer into them, love them, but teach them. That didn't do it for the disciples. Maybe it was Jesus' love and compassion that would do it for the disciples. That didn't do it. I mean, the disciples got to see Jesus love everyone at all times of the day or night for three years, never taking a break. And Jesus didn't just love the folks that society discarded. 
He also loved the crooks and the cheats and won them over. The disciples got to, see, got to experience their, his love for them, which if you want to uh, exercise an understanding of the humor of God, read all the stories of Jesus and the disciples, their interactions. These disciples are hilarious. That didn't do it for them, or the questions being answered, it didn't do it for them. Uh, they were asking all sorts of questions of Jesus over and over. They would ask questions, and Jesus would answer them all the time. Sometimes I think we'd want to answer him questions. I have friends. I remember one in particular, again, at Cal. He said at one point, you know, I would believe if I just had my, answer, my questions answered. And so we'd talk, and he'd look into things himself, and he'd find answers, and, and he'd move on to the next one, and the next one, about 10 in or so. I remember asking him, is this really, is this really the deal for you? Like, if you ask questions and you find answers that you, you'll believe in God. And I always admired his response. He came back and said, you know what, actually, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. Answers to questions, didn't do it for the disciples. The miracles, the teachings, the love, what did it for the disciples? Just this one thing. Just this one thing. Christianity isn't a, isn't a bunch of things. Christianity is one thing, and the resurrection is it. The resurrection is it. What I love about the resurrection is it is so amazing that the, the historic bodily resurrection of Jesus, if true, means life in his name forever. That's the good news, friends. That's why we celebrate Easter, that in Jesus, he died on the cross for your sins and mine, that if we put our faith in him, because God raised him from the grave, we can have eternal life with him, a restored relationship with God. That's the good news. If there's nothing else, if you've never received it before, if there's nothing else you hear today, it's that. That's the good news. But you know what? It gets even better. Not that that's not good enough. Because the resurrection doesn't just impact our eternity, it, it impacts our life here and now. These guys were scared out of their minds. They were worried. They were stressed out. And what did Jesus say to them? Peace be with you. Because of the resurrection, he could give them he could give you and me peace. Why? Because the resurrection gets the last word. Which means your struggling marriage doesn't get the last word. Which means your aggravating job interview process doesn't get the last word. Which means the uncertainty you have about your career doesn't get the last word. Which means the, your relationship status doesn't get the last word. Which means what people think of you or you think they think of you doesn't get the last word. It means your health doesn't get the last word. And it means when you and I die, death doesn't get the last word. Because the resurrection gets the last word, we can live here and now in peace. That's the promise. Do you see that? In a moment, we're going to be watching Chris Dunder's testimony as before he's baptized. And it was real fun as this was coming together and you know, thinking about all these things. A number of the things that he talks about, actually, in his testimony that we'll see in the video um, are similar to what we've been talking about. At one point, he's like asking questions. He had all these questions about Christianity. I had this question, and then this question, and then this question. And, he's, and he basically gets to the place where he's like, realized, you know, ultimately I realized my questions, important as they are, aren't the ultimate thing. And at the very end, he says, and I, you know, and when I put my faith in Jesus, it's amazing. I had all this stress, all this anxiety that started to wither away. 
Why? Because I realize in light of what God has done for me in Jesus Christ dying on the cross for my sin, because of the resurrection, I can experience peace here and now. It's an amazing story. That's what the resurrection does for you and me. Uh, That is the promise that we can leave today moving from fear to faith, as we see in the disciples, moving from anxiety and worry to what does it say in verse 20? They filled with joy. You and I, because of what Jesus has done, we can leave today like the disciples in that way. But what I think we cannot do today is leave today saying, I believe that, but it's not going to impact how I live tomorrow. The resurrection gets the last word. Um, he is risen, therefore we can live with peace. If you have, uh, if, you know, if you would for, with a, a, for a moment with me, look at this card that you should have uh, each gotten on your, um, your seat this morning. We, it's kind of a response card that I'd love to look at with you for just a quick moment here. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, with the disciples, we can think that these guys had a special, unique calling. They were kind of these special, extra spiritual guys. Not true. And there came a moment where they had to make a response, uh, not, not only at that time, but, but with their lives. And so I wonder if that's a, that's a place where we're at today, where we can make a response to God. And what I'd love for you to do is, you know, we have, we have some gifts that we want to give to you along with this. But if, you, if, if you're the place you'd like to make a response today, we'd love for you to check this off. Actually, the first one I'd like to highlight for you is, is you can, it's a write-in. You can write it in. Um, and that's just to say, hey, I'm curious. You know, if, if you're like Peter and you want to kind of look in further, you want to take a look, you say, man, I, it seems like this is just impossible odds, but I want to take a look, I'd write in, I'm curious, and there's a gift we want to give you uh, later today. Uh, if you are uh, ready... You've heard enough. You know enough. You're ready. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that he rose again uh, uh, from the, the grave, that you have life in his name, and you want to start your spiritual journey, check that box. We'd love to give you something. If you are here today, and maybe you haven't been to church in a long time, or maybe you stepped away from your faith, you moved to the Silicon Valley, and it was no longer a priority for you. There was a relationship thing for you, I don't know, a career thing, whatever, but it, it hasn't been an active part of your life. If you, God talks about his arms being wide open for all of us, whether we're coming to him for the first time or whether we're coming back to him, that he would receive us. And then finally, you'll see here, uh, if you're ready to publicly declare your faith through baptism, you can check that box. In fact, Cindy mentioned today, we're ready for you. If you'd like to be baptized today, the water's warm. I felt it. I'm getting in, so I'm glad it's warm. Um, I'm serious. It's a cool 90 degrees. It's not. Anyways, um, if you'd like to check that out, we're ready for you. And you know what's amazing? In the Scripture, whenever someone put their faith in Jesus, there wasn't any baptism class. There wasn't any. They just said, look, there's water. What do you think? Okay, let's do this. Um, and so we have the opportunity to do that today. You can be baptized today. What I would encourage you to do is uh, there, our team is in the back. They can help you with all that stuff. I'm not sure if the underwear part was serious, um, but um, we have, we're prepared for you. Um, you can make a decision today, and you could find us, and we'll, we'll get up there today. But what I'd like to show you is we, have, we do have gifts that we'd like to give you, I mean, including this handy-dandy uh, tote bag, which is, which is fun and stuff. The one I do want to highlight for you is this book, uh, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. It was fun. I met with somebody this week uh, who recently put their faith here in Jesus at Current, and, um, and he was... Um, and I was saying, oh, yeah, we're going to give a book out to folks just to help them along wherever they're at. And he says, Mere Christianity? I was like, dude. 
that is it. And I was like, sweet, we're definitely going to do that book. Um, it just, this gets at the essence of the Christian faith. It just kind of hits home. If you are anyone, if you're curious, if you are beginning your faith, if you're coming back to it, we feel like all, of all the things we were talking about today, this could be helpful in your process. Plus, there's, a, there's, some, there's another goodie or two in here. Uh, for instance, Ghirardelli chocolate. What Easter's complete without chocolate? Um, but what you can do is you can take this into the back just outside the auditorium. Our team will be there. Uh, you can hand it in, and, and they will give you a gift. If you want to be baptized too, don't worry. We'll still get you a gift. Um, but... Um, uh, thank you so much for coming. We're, we're going to continue this time of worship at, 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 at this time. Um, we hope that you come back uh, next week. We're going to be starting a new series called Thriving in Relationship, looking at uh, practical wisdom that the Bible has to say about helping our relationships thrive. Even in preparing for this, I've already been feeling uh, like it's been really helpful for me personally. But whether that a relationship with a significant other or uh, somebody, uh, you know, friends and coworkers, that sort of thing, we hope it would be helpful to you. We'd love for you to come back. Um, let me pray for us.